And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, <clears throat> excuse me, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they, meaning Joseph and Mary with the infant Jesus, returned into Galilee their own town of Nazareth. This is God's word. So I'd like to um, begin by asking the kids a question. What do you enjoy more? <laughs> this is a tough one. <laughs> Halloween or Christmas? I'll give you guys a chance just to express yourselves. On the count of three, just shout out what you enjoy more. One, two, three. Oh, good for you. Okay. Now, um, it's, it's probably for the average kid, it's a tough one. Um, I think that there's a lot of similarity between Halloween and Christmas. What do I mean? Let me try to explain, okay? Uh, aside from the candy, why do you love Halloween? What's one reason you might love Halloween? And just think of the answer to yourself, aside from the candy, okay? And I think partly... If you think about it, I think even if you're in elementary school, you're grade one, two, three, or four, five, six, you can think about this. You're smart enough to think about this. I think it's partly because we love to dress up as our favorite hero or character and pretend we're in the story, right? Does that make sense? I remember when I made my first uh, homemade costume, I had a lot of fun drawing, coloring, and cutting out Superman's S and then pinning it onto a blue t-shirt. And I really felt like Superman that day. I felt like I was flying from door to door and getting candy. Uh, and so put it another way, I, I think what I loved was being in the story, that I'm the hero, that I'm like Superman. And so maybe you can relate. When you dress up as your favorite character or hero, you're in that story. And that's how Christmas is very similar to Halloween, because Christmas is about God inviting you and me to be a part of his story, to enter the greatest story, and to look to Jesus as the greatest hero, even to become like him as we believe in him and want to follow him with his help. And I'll tell you a secret, kids, as you get older and older. Uh, you realize that the best stories last a lifetime. They do. And the best of best stories, the greatest stories, they last even beyond this life. And the Christmas story, we're, we're supposed to think of the Christmas story in that way. The story of Jesus, really the best story that lasts a lifetime and even beyond this life. And so it's my prayer, we're going to, now for the moms and dads and the adults and grandmas and grandpas here, and we're going to uh, reflect a little bit more, and, but I think kids, you can keep up with us uh, and just think about what um, 
Pastor Albert's going to share from the passage, but I hope something stirs in our hearts in this way, something similar to these words, this kind of prayer. Lord, let Christmas lift my life story. Let it lift my story into your greatest story ever told and to the very end. That's one way to understand Christmas. I, I hope you can capture some of that in this season, aside from all the busyness of all the traditions and preparing gifts and so forth, so forth. All good things, but hopefully they don't distract us from the real meaning. Lord, let Christmas lift my story up into your greatest story, the very end. And so I want to ask uh, for the rest of this uh, time and just unpacking scripture, how is Christmas the greatest story? And I think Luke wants us to see at least three things from this encounter with Anna, this account of Anna the prophetess. And I think what uh, Luke wants us to see is first that Jesus is a conspicuous story, okay? Uh, what do we mean by conspicuous? If you're not familiar with the word, it basically means it's so obvious. You can't ignore it. You can't miss it. It's visible. It's out there. Like you, you'd be sort of intentionally ignoring it because it's so conspicuous, okay? How is Christmas the greatest story? Well, Jesus' story, it's so conspicuous. It, it's, it's meant for us to not miss. Now, let me try to illustrate what I mean by that. The past few days, if you have a weather app on your phone, this might be familiar, right? This is a screenshot from my phone. And what was conspicuous, what I couldn't ignore was that red band. Warning, storm warning, snow squall, snowstorm coming. And as you see this red band, this conspicuous warning, then you adapt your life. Okay, I'm going to drive more slowly. Uh, I might not even go out because of this warning. It grabs our attention. And so we heed its warning, its message. We adjust to it. So here's my greater point. Jesus is similarly conspicuous in history. Just a few things right off the bat. Even the way we measure time and the calendar and the date, the reference point is Jesus. There's no doubt that Christians and non-Christians alike believe there was this man in history, Jesus, whose message has been reverberating and lasting to this day and will forever. You could go into other reasons, but I'll save us that for today. But we also see this in the passage. Where do we see this? And the fact that Anna was a prophetess. What's a prophetess? A prophet is a female. A prophetess is a female prophet. So what's a prophet? A prophet was a servant of God who applied, specifically applied God's word to his people and anyone who would listen. Meaning, what difference is this supposed to make in our lives? And so prophets and prophetesses, the way they would apply God's word is first to encourage, to lift up, to build up, but also to challenge and exhort, say, here are some weaknesses in your life. Here's a way you can keep growing and maturing. But sometimes, unfortunately, they also had to go further and indict, to condemn to say, according to God's law and his standards, his morals, you have really missed the mark. One of the most famous instances from history of a prophet is when Nathan the prophet confronted King David 
of his murder and adultery. And Nathan masterfully tells an allegorical story, a metaphorical story of an evil rich man who steals unjustly and slaughters a poor man's lamb for himself. And Nathan famously ends the confrontation with the words, King David, you are that man. Now that was everything. It first certainly indicted David. It brought out his guilt before God, his egregious sin. But David, having the right heart, he also was exhorted. He was rebuked, but it turned to repenting, turning back to God and growing and maturing from there. And therefore, in the end, being encouraged ultimately. So here's the point. A prophet or prophetess communicates the word of God. This word that Anna was waiting for to be fulfilled her whole life. For God's word to be fulfilled. For God's word, his scriptures. She made it central to her life. It became the guiding light, her worldview, her daily perspective. God's word. God's word. And so what I mean by saying that Christmas reminds us that Jesus' story is conspicuous in history. The reason why we're gathered here this morning is because the gospel and Jesus, it's, it can't be ignored. Sadly, even just another clear sort of evidence and example that, that Jesus is conspicuous. Sadly, in our culture, our society, a lot of you people use his name in a way that, that isn't the most honoring. Meaning he's there. He's all over our society, our culture. And so the question is, in history, are, are we going to ignore him? Or will we pay attention and make a decision about him? Will we believe in him, place our faith in him and follow him or not? That he become so wonderful and beautiful in our lives that we see him that way, that it changes everything. Well, I think a second thing that Luke wants us to see with him is that how is Christmas the greatest story? Jesus is also not only a conspicuous story in history, but the ultimate love story. Now, this is where some of the kids are like, right? but just try to follow along and just try to appreciate what we mean here. Now, I'm going to date myself here. Probably many of you here. Uh, did you know that this Christmas is the 25th? year anniversary of when the Titanic came out, came out at Christmas time. And I read a, a funny article about this this past week. Um, James Cameron, he's the writer and director of this film. And did you know that from the inception of the film, the release of it, every day that there's been a group of disgruntled fans, major spoiler alert here, but no apologies, the the Titanic is obviously history, but the story of this movie is uh, based, it's fiction based on the history of Titanic. And there are two lovers, Jack and Rose. And at the end, Jack ends up freezing to death in the ice cold waters of the Atlantic because he sacrifices his spot on a piece of driftwood for Rose. And so for 25 years, there have been disgruntled fans who have been writing James Cameron, even protesting that scientifically, they could have both survived. <laughs> and so this has been a thorn in the side of James Cameron to the point that he 
commissioned an official study to prove once and for all, scientifically, no, it's not possible that this darling duo could have both survived together. And he's released that study to just, you know, quiet those disgruntled fans once and forever. Now, what's my point? This is Jack and Rose who are fiction. And my point is, even this fictionally, what's longing and deep in the human heart is for a love story that goes on happily forever. And that's in one sense, now sincerely, and, and, and with gravitas, like with meaning for our life, not just a, a fun cultural reference, but that is what the gospel is. The ultimate, purest, truest, just commendable, honorable love story. Now, where do we see this in today's passage? So Anna's introduced, and she's the daughter of Phanuel. And now just imagine, if she got married at a typical age during her time, around in her teens, maybe 14. And then we see here that she was widowed uh, just after seven years with her husband. So in her early 20s, being widowed. But she was already at a place in her faith and her pursuit of God uh, to not necessarily feel the need to get married and have her longings filled with a human husband again, but she sought a truer husband. And so we see her dedicating herself till the end of her life, till 84, for approximately 60 years. She went to the temple, she worshiped with fasting and prayer, night and day. What the, the, the idea that I want us to wrap our heads around, our hearts around, is that Anna longed for a truer husband. Now, this is nothing weird or, you know, mentally off. It's, we're not saying that Anna longed for God to be her personal husband. She, didn't, she wasn't kooky that way. That's not what the Bible's saying. But she understood that being a part of the people of God, that one way God describes his relationship with his people is of a loving, faithful husband. And so what comforted Anna during all those single widowed years? Like Simeon from the verses prior, her heart was filled with longing for her people's Messiah, her people's Savior, someone to come and make sense of all the chaos and things that were going down during her time, maybe even her loss, her personal loss of her loving husband. I, would, I don't think it's a far stretch to believe she dreamt of a long life filled with memories with her husband and maybe children. And so what did Anna seek to comfort her? She sought a truer husband. She dedicated her life to just seeking God and, and longing for the fulfillment of God sending his Messiah, his Christ, to his people. Now, this is very much a theme, a clear theme throughout all of the Bible. Just one reference could point to many, but just one for sake of time. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5, God himself, through his prophet Isaiah explains, for your maker is your husband. 
The Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. This, is, this was Anna's understanding. To long for God to fulfill his plan, for him to be faithful to his people, to redeem his people. And Paul says it even more clearly in the New Testament that therefore God's people, the church ultimately, that it's like husband and wife. Christ and the church is like husband and wife. And so this Christmas story, as Anna saw the baby Jesus, what she saw embodied in Jesus was her truer husband. Again, not in a strange, weird way that she was some cradle robber thinking that this baby is going to be her future husband, literally, physically. No, let's just clear that misunderstanding. But Jesus representing God and Jesus redeeming God's people who are compared to a bride. And so the Lord is the faithful husband, just perfect in covenant, keeping his promises, keeping his commitment, and faithfully pursuing his church from beginning to the very end. And so it's this love story of God redeeming us. And in this way, Jesus is the truest story. I encountered a, a fresh, at least for me, a, a fresh perspective on Jesus' birth this week as I was preparing. Uh, Philip Yancey writes, from God's viewpoint and Satan's, Satan meaning the spiritual enemy of God and Christ, from God's viewpoint and Satan's, Christmas signals far more than the birth of a baby. It was an invasion the decisive advance in the great struggle for the cosmos. Chad Bird, a theologian, he reflects similarly. Look, wars have been waged over money, property, honor, power, oil, you name it. But this war, the greatest conflict in human history, is over us. It's like a true, pure-hearted soldier going to fight out of the truest heart, sacrificially out of love for his people, his nation, his country. So the idea is this. Jesus' birth was like a cosmic D-Day in God's war against Satan. An all-important tactical battle in the grand strategy towards eternal victory over sin and death for us. And so Chad Bird, he riffs, on the familiar carol that we'll sing in a few moments, Silent Night. He riffs on, on those lyrics, and he says instead, Silent night, violent night, hell and heaven meet to fight. See, the love story of Jesus pursuing his people and redeeming them for himself, that, that's the Christmas story, and that's the truest story. And the hope of that, very practically, concretely, as you try to make sense of history and the headlines and your life and all the ups and downs. Very simply put, it's the hope in the end Jesus will, and he is the only one who can make every wrong right. And that hope, that joyous hope that he will exact justice and make everything right according to his truest, purest standards and morals his authority, his truth. That's the hope of the Christ follower. 
And that's why we see here towards the end and coming up at that very hour, because Joseph and Mary were presenting Jesus at the temple, obeying God's law and doing that. And so she comes across and she knows the spirit is revealed to her heart. This is my redemption. This is my plan, this baby. And so she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This year, of course, it's a window into God's greater plan. The redemption of Jerusalem doesn't just mean literally Israel itself, but, but all of God's people, the new creation, the new Jerusalem. It's God bringing full circle his truest story. Anna understood this cosmic fight, and this is why all the more she treasured the privilege to see with her own eyes her Messiah in flesh and blood. But the important thing is she had eyes of faith. And similarly, you and I, even though we don't see the baby Jesus in front of us, but we, we, we see the conspicuous historical Jesus and the Bible that remains to this day and the church that is well and alive and strong and continuing on God's mission. And the invitation is for us to see with eyes of faith this Jesus, just as Anna saw this infant with eyes of faith as the grown-up Messiah taking our place on the cross. Anna understood with full force the war that she herself was engaged in. Her weapons were steadfast worship with fasting and prayer in the Lord's presence at the temple with a single-minded and single-hearted longing for her God to reign as king and establish his people forever. And so Anna was waiting on God to author the glorious ending to the truest story. And this ending will satisfy the deepest longings of every human heart. And so my prayer for all of us, Lord, let Christmas lift my story, lift my personal life story up into your greatest story to the very end. Amen.